Hello, everyone. This is Dan with the Spiritual Underground Podcast. Uh, quickly, if uh, you just uh, the Spiritual Underground Podcast is a podcast for about twelve step recovery, uh, primarily twelve step recovery. We knock around other things and uh, talk about just uh, how to get the most out of uh, this thing called life the first time you know this time around. I have a little handyman woodworking business here in the Louisville metro area. Uh, DTM that is Dan the Man. DTM Woodwork. Uh, you can find it on uh, Facebook and Instagram. And um, my number is uh, available. Here it is again, 502-292-7444. You need any handyman work or woodwork in the Louisville metropolitan area, let me know. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks. I haven't talked about 12-step spiritual recovery lately, the book itself, and plugged it. Um 12 Step Spiritual Recovery is a book by James Christopher Cohn. It is uh, the 12 steps for everyone, for those who don't traditionally fit into the 12 step fellowships, for people who are currently in a 12 step fellowship and maybe wants to look at it from another angle, maybe a deeper dive. And, uh, you know, some people I hear it all the time, you know, uh, AA just wasn't for me. And uh, if you're one of those people too, this is a, I guess you could say a backdoor to the exact same work. And, uh, you know, I, I, um, I don't know when the last time I said this was, but, you know, I guarantee you that this will make your life better if you'll work this, if you'll work these steps and practice these principles in your life. And I know you're everybody's balking at the guarantee, uh, but that's how strongly I feel about it. The book is available on Amazon and we have meetings here uh, locally. We have some uh, in-person meetings and uh, Zoom meetings and a ladies only meeting. Uh, if you're interested in that stuff, you can go to the website, 12stepspiritualrecovery.com or any of this information, you can contact me. Um, I have about 100 emails and one of them is dan at spiritualunderground.org. My work email is dan at dtmww.net. But uh, I'll answer any questions you have about that also. Uh, the gentleman that's with me tonight, and y'all heard from him last time around too, uh, is responsible for the music that's played around this podcast, uh, Darren Frank. So thank you, Darren, for, uh, as always, allowing me to use that wonderful recovery-based, royalty-free music. <laughs> uh kind of just taking a little to different turn here uh, and, and not so much the interviews and tell their story kind of podcast, but uh, just knocking around these concepts about recovery. And tonight uh, I've got a few questions I'd like to talk to Darren about. And uh, perhaps he'd have some questions for me or uh, we'll just kind of, he's uh, Darren has, I think a couple of topics in particular he'd like to talk about too. So uh we will get going with that. How you doing tonight, Darren? Doing good. Uh, really good. I, uh, before we get started, I'd like to mention, since we were talking about uh, recovery for everybody, I, I've recently been approached to uh, start a meeting or a group on Zoom for teenagers uh, that uh, not necessarily 12-step program, but uh, just a place for them to uh, talk about their issues and and maybe you know be open to learning some different ways to uh, approach life and and teach these things that I've learned through recovery to teenagers in a way that 
works for them that they can use in practical application and, and don't have to go through a book to learn it. They can just have a place where they can um, most importantly share to somebody who's willing to listen and learn to listen to each other. That's the key to all this. And then um, live and learn. Yep, this stuff will rub off, and these uh, principles we use um, are nothing new. They're uh, most of them are based on ancient spiritual principles, uh, but they can definitely, uh, you know, it's like just how uh, families will start to get better when one person in the family is uh, working a twelve-step program. It kind of rubs off. Um, another thing is, you know, I just think there's a big need that. Uh, Children can go someplace. Young people can go someplace and uh, and feel heard when they they feel like their voice was heard. Uh, someplace safe to maybe say things that may not be safe to say at home. Uh, know that it's being held confidential, and then uh, we all know the value of like mutual support groups when you have people who are facing a similar. Uh, point in their life whether if it's i wanted to say a similar battle but maybe it isn't a battle maybe it's i mean teenageism is a big battle in itself i didn't know how hard that was until i uh, looked back on it <laughs> so yeah that's my goal cool. is my goal is to uh stop this cycle you know if we can uh teach teenagers that they were conditioned and uh, you know they're not too long before they're bringing kids into the world that they can uh, bring kids into the world and, and learn how to just let them be kids and not condition them. We can stop this cycle one by one. And uh, so if you know anybody, if you're listening to this and you know a teen or have anybody in mind, contact Dan and, and he'll get with me and we'll get you the information you need uh, once we start these groups. Yeah, man. Yep. Just reach out to me. There's a, I'm a pretty easy guy to find. Um, Spiritual Underground, the podcast also, I think I've already said that. I think, no, I said it about DTM. Uh, Spiritual Underground also has a uh, website. It's spiritualunderground.org. And there's a Facebook page and an Instagram. So uh, I'm a pretty easy guy to get to find if you, if you, uh, if you have access to the internet. I let my pages go uh, go down. Let my computer fall asleep. My phone, my handheld computer. Uh, I said for a while that uh, it's all good and well that this forty-five-year-old man, me, seven years ago, had my life changed and and I was sort of saved. Uh, but I think the real trick is is like what you're talking about. Get it where you know where where. Human beings don't need saving. They they never get broken to begin with. Uh, you know, this this twelve steps fixed me, and uh, perhaps we can get into a cycle where uh, kids don't need fixing. Oh man! So, uh, is there anything you want to start out with? Because I, I have a few questions here, and I actually listened to your podcast the other day just to see if there was anything I felt like sometimes we'll be talking and things go a certain direction and leave uh, questions unanswered. And uh, 
so I kind of I kind of listened to that. I kind of listened to that and jotted down some things, and then uh, also just been thinking about it while I've been running around. Um, we get a, we get the same questions lots, you know. A lot of newcomers come to you, or you know, maybe you know, maybe not even new people, but with uh, questions, right? They want to know well, what do you think about this and what do you think about that, and uh, you know, probably. Uh, one of the bigger ones I hear is people want to be taught how to meditate. Oh. And, uh, you know, I, I developed, I, I developed a, a cute little answer to that too, that uh, I cannot teach you how to meditate. <laughs> I can, however, help you learn. <laughs> I uh, would never say I was somebody who could do that. I just, you know, same as the 12 steps. I, uh, I practice it and, uh, try to become better, you know, better is not even a word anymore. You know, it's, there is no labels, I guess, how to meditate effectively, how to meditate and get benefit from it. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, this, I told the white horse story the other day, and I don't, you've probably heard it about the judgment uh, and how this thing, we have to always call something good, bad, better, you know, and uh, I'm trying, it's, I've just really got me mixed up because I don't want to put, value labels on things as far as like scale but let's get back to meditating um somebody's just starting out on a path uh, and wants wants to think about doing that it's that kind of hot stuff today you'll hear it said by any of this personal development stuff uh but what would you recommend a person start doing to if they were if they were new to all this well it uh what i've discovered is depends on how you learn uh, everybody learns differently. Um, some people can read. I myself have trouble reading. I have to read over and over and over. So I would rather listen to a book than read a book because I can close my eyes and focus and I can visualize. And by listening and visualizing, I'm occupying more of my mind uh, so my brain, my brain works so fast that if I leave any portion of my mind free, uh, it's going to try to think of something else. Yeah, and it's going to take me off track. So I I learn best by audio visual. So uh, I close my eyes and I can listen to a book or a podcast or whatever, and I can use my mind to visualize that and create something so i have a hyperactive mind that needs to be occupied i can't slow my brain down enough to read um and that's how i had to learn the big book is through a couple guys named joe and charlie they would read the big book to me and teach me that way or i would listen to the audio version of the big book so that's how i learned so everybody learns differently therefore everybody approach to meditation should be different uh, especially in early, early recovery, where you're so used to thinking all the damn time and burning up uh, your energy um, by thinking all the time and wearing yourself out. You need to recharge, but you don't know how to slow your mind down enough to do it. So what people don't realize, th- this is the fundamental goal of meditation. It's to be aware of your current reality be focused in the present moment but focus on something really doesn't matter what it is 
but focus your awareness on anything other than thinking negative thoughts. If you could focus on thinking positive thoughts, that would be great. Unfortunately, um, most people's brains will slip back into that negative thinking. But if you catch yourself doing that, then applaud yourself rather than condemn yourself because you just had enough awareness to catch yourself. So, and that's the goal is awareness. That's the goal of meditation, period. It's awareness. And then once you're aware, then you can slip into those different level. All right. You can reach those, uh, you can reach those different levels uh, later, you know, but what you start there and find something you're, you're really into, like uh, if you like rain sound or nature sounds, birds chirping, that kind of stuff. There's tons of YouTube videos. You just put your earbuds or headphones on and uh, close your eyes and sit or lay down and um, just focus on that. That's your focus. That's uh, where the, the Buddhist will use the breath. Other people that practice yoga use the breath um, as their focus. I use sound as my focus. Um but like I said, you could use art as your focus or you could use music as your focus. If you want to listen to, I don't recommend med meditation to like rap music or grunge metal or anything like that, but softer music or playing yeah. music, uh, you can get lost in that. Uh, there are sound frequencies uh, that correspond to your chakras, which are your energy centers in your body. And you can meditate to that. And those are really powerful meditations. And all of those, you can also use your mind to create things too. So you can like imagine, uh, like if you're meditating to your crown chakra, you can imagine a little purple orb floating above your head, spilling energy into your body. So using your mind is another way to meditate. Uh, Hey, about 15 minutes into the podcast, things started coming to a screeching halt. Uh, my Zoom <clears throat> kept on fading out, almost like it was my screen went to sleep on my Apple computer, which is what I usually use. I never have any problems with it. Uh, ever since I hardwired it, I had some problems with Wi-Fi for a while, but since I have taken wires and wired them from my hardwires, from my computers to my modem, I don't experience problems anymore. But that's interesting because uh, I'm going to leave in the little bit of chatter <clears throat> that happened while we were trying to get that straightened out. And then we'll pick back up on the podcast where it was. I uh, just thought I'd take a minute in the middle here. I thought about putting an intro on this podcast and explain that we did have some technical difficulties uh, during this session. But, you know, I kind of have this... Uh, this is an old behavior that I used to do this uh, pre-apologizing for myself uh, before you all even get here, you know, before that question is even asked. Uh, so like people would ask me what I do and I would say I'm an engineer, but I didn't go to school to be an engineer. I don't have a degree. Uh, and I'd always had to, I'd had to put that pre-apology in there about what's going on. And, and I think it gets me here, too. It's, I think it's a little bit of codependency and uh, need everybody to like me kind of crap. But uh, whatever it is, the apology is coming in the middle this time. Uh, 
And uh, I was thinking if I had a few things to talk about in the meantime, but I really don't have anything right now. Um, Frank is coming in this weekend to uh, record a podcast. And uh, what I will do at this point here is kind of put out there an open open invitation to listeners or anybody that just wants to bat around some recovery concepts, talk about them. And uh, tape it. Not not so much the what it was like, what it's what what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Not really our histories, our stories, but just to talk, just to talk. Um, so please contact me if you are interested in doing that. Ding. Uh, everybody in the world's getting the COVID. So uh, I don't know. There's a guy at the meeting the other night, and then another friend of mine, close friend of mine, and. Uh, I made a deal with God not to get it. So, so far, uh, God's been keeping up his end of the deal. And my experience has been that he always does. He or she, I'm not certain. Uh, So I'm not getting this damn COVID. I am not. I refuse to. Um, So give me a holler and uh, let's chat. We'll get back to Darren and I and... uh, the content was originally created for uh, for the session you all are listening to. Peace out. Well, that's hokey as fuck, man. What did we miss, though? I don't know what, how much it yeah, cut. The last time it cut off a lot. Let's see you on again. I switched computers. Okay. Will you still be able to use what was on that other computer? Yeah, yeah, yep. So uh, what we can do is finish up because I kind of know where I was at. Do another start with other questions because I I got until like nine thirty, so I still got plenty of time. Yep. Uh, but what we can do is, and I can do. If some you editing. run out of questions, we can uh, come back and ask the meditation question again, and I can recover it. Yeah. So you don't have to do so much splicing and shit. Yeah. Uh, we kind of got it's like losing the flow you know what i mean it's yeah. choppy frustrates me i have to like go and that's part of the reason uh you had mentioned on meditation i'm just gonna pick up there for a minute uh just to kind of settle myself um if i believe i heard you say the main thing with meditation or one of the main things the big thing with it is is having an awareness uh, some people will say mindfulness, uh, yeah. and, you know, I think it like in a real basic level, uh, it begins to teach me to practice, to be here right now, that whole thing, like, you know, just be present to your reality at this moment, you know, so that in that way, I, you know, we talk over and over again about, um, you know, we talk about day at a time living. Sometimes it's a minute at a time. Uh, not jumping out because the past is uh, uh, makes you remorseful and the future makes you scared and the whole reason for staying right here. And I think uh, it's some real basic nutshell level that, that, that meditation just helps you to be uh, to be here now as uh, Eckhart Tolle says, I think that's basically. Yeah. Um, A lot of people are looking to get a lot more out of it than that uh visions and um things like that but uh, i 
I really do think, especially like when we're asking, I get, I don't wait till step 11 to get somebody meditating. No, not at all. Uh, I, uh, it's, it's, it's now it's, it's been added to my ground rules as one of the questions about asking the guy where he's at with prayer and where he's at with, uh, meditation. And uh, YouTube is my go-to and I have a go-to five minute third step meditation that uh, I know a guy can sit still and do something focused for five minutes and we'll start there. Plus he gets the third step prayer in his life when he's doing it too, you know, which never does hurt. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's how I learned. But I, one of the other things I would have suggested too, and I don't know if this is possible, I know it's possible in this area, if by some chance you can find a group that is meditating. And I know that can be really frightful for some people, uh, but I, I received a lot of benefit early on in, in my meditation journey because I landed in a group meditation and uh, with some experienced people that shared about their meditation and took the uh, relieved a lot of my doubts and stuff, how we do about, you know, am I doing it right? And all that crap, uh, you know, that helped me hear people say, cause like I remember one time I'm sitting in there and a gal who meditated for a long time, been sober 20 something years. Uh, she, she, when she shared, she said, you know, I just really didn't do anything, but just sit here today. <laughs> she said, I was just kind of waiting for the bell to ring. Uh, never, never really, you know, and, and that let me off the hook like, Oh, really? Uh, you know, cause, uh, that competitive thing in me wants to make sure I'm doing it good and maybe better than you or something. Uh, <laughs> and I certainly, yeah. didn't, and I certainly didn't want to be looked at and seen as not, you know, not being able to do it. But for the longest time, that's pretty much what I did. I just sit there and try basically just sit there and try to be still <laughs> and not, not interrupt anybody else's meditation <laughs> with me squirming. Right. Around. <laughs> but, uh, and I know there is a Saturday morning meditation in Louisville. Uh, that's a 12 step based meditation, but there's all kinds of, I think there's some other groups. I think there's some Buddhist meditation in Louisville and, yeah, a and a couple of things that you can find uh, to, to expose yourself to, to it. Uh, it's such a simple tool, you know, like I'm a little, I'm a little taken aback with uh, people's inability to do it uh i think it's kind of it's not that they're it's that they won't try uh it's kind of funny that we we ask you to just sit there and do nothing for a little bit and you find that difficult <laughs> uh, well that's that's because the mind just won't stop especially yeah. you know early in recovery uh, i wanted to go back because i was talking about sound meditation to me that is uh, the ultimate one, uh, sound frequencies, uh, because you can just listen to sound and focus on that. But what's going on is they're changing your brain waves, and that's very important for people with chemical addiction. Uh, is that's what the chemicals do, they change your brain, and that's what these theta waves, T H E T A, they change the way your brain works and uh, it slows your mind down without putting a chemical in your body. And uh, group meditation is probably the ultimate meditation when you get with some experienced meditators, because you can just pick up on their energy and feed off of that. But the one that I recommend to most newcomers is a guided meditation on YouTube 
where someone's talking and they basically talk you through the meditation and you focus on their listening. But the key to everything you kind of touched on is don't judge yourself meditating. Um, you're not going to be good at it. Just accept that fact. Uh, most people misunderstand meditation. That's why they think they can't do it. They think they got to sit around and go home, yeah. uh, which is a great meditation. Don't get me wrong. It's one of the best, but you don't have to start there. Uh, the best meditation is the ones that the Buddhists teach where you just uh, do the mindfulness and, and focus on the breath. You can really get to those places of really high seeing visions and all that stuff. Uh, but you don't have to start there. I mean, you yeah, don't start driving start. Uh, a NASCAR. You start with a, a tricycle. So yeah. start small and work your way into it. Yeah. And there's some fantastic apps out there. And that was one of the other things I was going to talk, talk about was that YouTube, if you go out there and like do meditation for beginners and, you know, and, and people will actually give you tips about how to, how to measure your breathing, you know, or how to breathe in a way that's beneficial and, uh, and remind you to, you know, come back to that. Cause I, that's really what it is. Your mind is going to wander, uh, there may be some day where I get to some point where my mind doesn't wander. Uh, I don't really think it's going to. The trick is having the awareness of that it has wandered off and bringing it back. Uh, and it's it, to me, meditation is really just an exercise of that. Uh, I've never gotten, you know, I haven't, I've had a couple of times when I've had something, you know, real special happen meditating, but for the most part, it's not. And my meditation today looks like five to 10 minutes of sitting still today and just breathing and yeah. just basically trying not to think about much, just sit there and be a bump on a log for five minutes or so. And, uh, and that's beneficial to me. I mean, it's just, it's shutting down. It's taking a moment. It's, uh, intentional. Um, and, and I usually do it right after my, I, my typical deal is to do it right after I get done with my morning prayers. And, you know, I'm, Praying out of the house in 15 minutes if I need to be. So <laughs> I was taught. Go ahead. I was just say there's another thing that I've heard people talk about, you know, about these durations of meditation too. And there is value to doing it longer, but you're not going to start there. And I have found that I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good with what I'm doing today. It's another one of these things. You've had to find your bones and figure out what's, what works for you. What are you going to say? Uh, well, to answer you, to, to go on what you're talking about, I, I mean, I can meditate my way for uh, easy for an hour, but my way is listening to sound. And I usually just meditate till I fall asleep and sleep is my goal. It's not awareness. Uh, if I can get relaxed enough to sleep with the pain that I generally am in, mm, yeah. that's a great meditation. Um, and I don't remember what I was going to say before. Yeah. Uh, but there's just so many ways uh, there is. to there meditate. Is. Oh, the, what I was going to say was meditation. I was taught early in recovery by my first sponsor that med think of meditation as watching a football game on ESPN. You're watching your two, your favorite team and, and your rival play. And then ESPN is running all these scores along the bottom of the screen. And if you 
if you pay attention to those scores long enough, they're going to take you off of the big picture, which is the game on your television. So you see your thoughts, you be aware of the thought and then brush it away and go back to the big picture meditation. Don't spend 10 minutes saying, well, you've been sober for, uh, 15 months now you should be able to meditate why are you not being able to sit here and be quiet that's what your ego mind your disease is trying to do it's trying not to get you to meditate period so it wants to beat you up it's the same as the story i tell all the time uh uh, it's like a double-edged sword this ego thing because uh, it's like my dog, if he were to go into the living room where my wife is, he, at first he's in there with me, he's on the bed, and I'm laying there watching TV, and he takes a shit on my wife's side of the bed, and then he goes there in the living room, and he tells my wife, hey, he just shit on your side of the bed. <laughs> That's what the ego does. It wants to trick you into not doing something or doing something that you know you shouldn't be doing, like meditation, and then it wants to beat yourself up for doing what it wanted to do in the first place. So don't pay attention to your mind when you stop meditating. Just let the thought pass and then go back to meditation and and congratulate yourself that you had enough awareness or mindfulness to catch it and then go back. Yeah. Uh, it comes to be another one of the things. It's, it's just there's no wrong way to meditate. Uh, if you absolutely continue, if you continue to practice doing it it's uh kind of goes along that thing I, i've heard here is that you know there's these 12 steps are not something is is not some get it and some don't it's some do and some don't and meditation is exactly the same if you do it uh you will receive some benefit from it and uh it was kind of fun to explore different ways i did have a good time with that early on to explore to just explore different things about meditation. I mean, we got the most powerful little computer in our hands. And if you want to, you want to explore meditation, it's an endless, it's an infinite barrel. If you want to look into it in in multiple directions. Here's the last thing I'll say on meditation. This is the absolute easiest one. And everybody can do it because everybody already does it. And that is, imagination or creative meditation. This is something I kind of made up myself. Uh, You think of something that is pleasing, like like a vacation that you took when you were a kid and imagine yourself there and create all these different things that can happen and just let your mind work on all these nice, happy things that could happen. And you'll create a feeling as if you're there. And that feeling will be joyous if you focus on joyous things. The reason I say that I know you can do it is because you already do it. You just do it in the negative. You think of all these fearful things that are going to happen, that I'm going to get COVID and I'm, I'm going to lose my job and my wife's going to leave me. And you let your brain wander on those. Whatever you pick out, your brain can tell you every single thing to the minute detail of these horrible things are going to happen. And it creates these shitty feelings in your body. So I know you can do it. So you just do the reverse. You focus, you pick something that is fun to you or pick something that you would like to happen. 
that's a very creative thing to do and send that energy out to the universe. And in worst case scenario, you feel good. That's it. I like it, man. I, I, I like it. I just have a, uh, I just got distracted by, by a uh, text that one of our fellows tested positive for COVID and mm. he was at the meeting last night. Uh-oh. My wife just tested positive today. Yeah, Shane told me that. Yeah, my wife got it from my grandson, who I believe got it at school. Everybody, I think it's going to, uh, unless you stay home in a closet and uh, barricade yourself in there with enough food to get you through the next 10 months, you're probably going to get it. Yeah. I uh, understand that the people who are uh, vaccinated are not getting hit real hard. Uh, yeah, my wife, she had a uh, sore throat, a headache, and fatigue. So it's like a um, medium severe cold. It's it's not uh, very debilitating at all. And this is, uh, she's getting the worst of it right now. Um, but one. it can be much worse than that. Uh, it could be shortness of breath enough to put you in the hospital. So um, she got because she's double vaccinated and boosted, she's got a, a very mild, not mild, not harsh cold, but a, a medium cold. There's no uh, fever, nothing like that. Not yeah. a lot of coughing. Yeah. Dad woke up with, or he last night, he had a sore throat and he's got a swollen lymph node in his neck. He went to urgent care this morning. and uh, But I guess we're out of rabid tests or something. Oh, shit. And uh, so sore throat is the uh, first sign of this new, if you're vaccinated, sore throat's the first thing you're going to get. And then a headache. Yeah. So watch yeah. it. Yeah, uh, we are. Um, I can tell you don't feel good. You know, he can just see it any, he did. And he's, and he's scared too. He just lost well, his sister. Is, a he, weeks is ago. he vaccinated? Yeah. And boosted? Yeah. Nothing to be scared about it. So far, the doctors are saying if you're double vaccinated and you're boosted, uh, what I read, and I got it from my sponsor, and he's like all over this shit. Yeah. Um, from what I read is if you're double vaccinated and boosted and you get the the new Om Omicron, yep. you're like super immune to the stuff. It, it, you're going to be kind of bulletproof for a while. Hmm. So. It's it's almost uh, not a good, never a good thing to be sick, but uh, I don't think it's anything to feel. Well, I know it's nothing to fear. Um, so he just lost his sister a couple of weeks ago, and uh, mm. you know, so there's a oh yeah, extra, there's a little extra uh, fear stimulus in there. Absolutely. All right. Here's a question for you. What'd you think about uh, me? I said, here's a question for you. What'd you think about me when I first got here, when you first met me? Oh God, that was a long time ago. Just seven years uh, ago. And maybe if you don't remember, you don't remember. That's okay. You don't have no, to. I, I, remember, special. I do remember because you had the bracelet on your ankle. Um, well, I definitely liked you. You were a likable guy. Um, you're very sincere. 
Um, you were polite, respectful, didn't cause any trouble, and you seemed to listen pretty good. Um, that was in the very, very beginning. But once, uh, once you started, uh, once you got a sponsor and you started to see that it worked, you're like a, a rabid dog on a piece of meat, man. You, you took both hands and grabbed it uh, really hard. And, and those are the kind of people I like to watch. So um, well, thank you. I, I thought you had a chance uh, early on. And then once you got a sponsor, of course, knowing, you know, uh, you're technically your, I'm your grand sponsor. So, Knowing your sponsor the way I do, I knew you had a really good chance if you listened to him. So, and you did, and so yeah, right? you're the ones that have been uh, that make it worthwhile for me to keep coming back. Because well, uh, I see so many people fail. Yeah, but every once in a while, you see somebody really take a hold, and you you are. Uh, I've only had one or two sponsees myself that that. I can say that about, and you're one of the rare ones. Well, thank you. I remember the first, my first memory is in Brian's basement because that very first meeting I went to was there. The church was closed. It wasn't back when Brian's basement was going on, but, uh, and I can remember that you, Christopher and Brian were all sitting on one side of the room. And, uh, um, that night when specifically when you shared and I had no idea what it was because it touched me inside. Uh, I don't, it didn't really touch my ears <laughs> and Christopher shared. Uh, by that time I had, uh, I knew I was sitting someplace special and then it was not too long after that. So see, I was already meditating. I was back when I, six months prior to that, uh, when I got my, when the warrant was out for my arrest and it did all that, uh, I wasn't, I couldn't get in an AA meeting. I couldn't make myself go, but I could, I started going to a meditation meeting. And started. I remember that. I remember you sharing about that. And then uh, like one of the, in one of the first meetings that come around to 11 step lead and you had an 11 step lead in it. You know, I saw it as a uh, providential or something, you know, <laughs> that, uh, uh, but is more of that. I don't know. I call I call them higher power higher power attaboys. Them them pats on the shoulder that let you know you're heading in the right direction. You know that helps me stay motivated and gives me some uh, some uh, ammo that um, my compass is pointing in north. Um, something a little heavier. Uh, you'd spoke about being molested when you were a child. Mm -hmm. um, similar thing happened to me. Uh, it seems to be after hearing quite a few fist steps and hearing people sharing the rooms that it's the rare individual that doesn't have something like that in their past. Uh, Very rare. I knew that, you know, and that's one of the, you know, at times these giant weights were lifted off of me. And I had experience with a, with a boy, my age, when I was really young and me and that boy did everything two men could do to one another with one another sexually. We, there was, you know, 
and this is talk, I'm talking about like five or six years old. I know I was in, we got, uh, basically got caught messing around in the bathroom as kindergartners in, at, at kindergarten. Hmm. And, uh, you know, my memory is, is I didn't, I didn't even register that it was, there was something inside of me that told me we shouldn't be doing it, but I think that was more because he was making sure we were staying hidden and because we were hiding made it seem like, well, it must be wrong if we're hiding and doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I didn't really, I wasn't old enough or nor had any enough sexual type of uh, experiences to even have a judgment. Right. And it wasn't until later that I found out, you know, and this is again, uh, it's not right. But I'm saying it from a standpoint of what my little boy did, not what I believe is right today. But peers and things like that started letting me know that that was not okay. And, you know, and like uh, homophobic type stuff. And, you know, and, and so I had to, I had to clamp that down for the rest of my life. I couldn't mm -hmm. let anybody know about that. And right. I still had contact with this guy once in a while. Uh, very little, but you know, it's almost like, you know, I'm going to have to knock him off so that no, cause he's the only one I know that knows <laughs> and we're going to have to <laughs> knock him off in order to keep this thing under covers. I didn't really have murderous thoughts about right, it. Right. Right. There was a big threat with between, I felt a huge threat with me and that guy because I was afraid he would tell somebody. Now he's grown up to be a, uh, he's a gay man. Just got married long, not long ago. Um, uh, mm -hmm. But where I was going with that is that once I found that out and I really, I never let that out of the can until my fist, first fist step with my sponsor. That was when I mm -hmm. actually uh, got that out. And, you know, and I, it was at the very, one of the very top of my list, but I didn't talk about it until close to the end of the fist step. I was wavering on whether to, to mention it or not. Um, and then I was molested a couple more times by, female babysitters hmm. um you know and then there's one part of me the 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 ad, how like how bob earl talks about the different personalities in him and one of them is the adolescent one of them's the little kid one of them's the and he said I'm still looking for the adult uh but <laughs> my adolescent would like want to blow off about that right like that was something cool like you mm -hmm. know, get molested by your babysitter um so like that didn't carry the weight with me. I would tell people about that almost in that bragging way, but I still realized the, 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 after doing step work, I realized the effect of what that did to me. Um, even though, you know, it didn't register in the same league as what the, what the, what the homosexual stuff did when I was a kid. And I wouldn't even, I'm stuttered on that because I don't even call it. It, it wasn't really that. I don't think, I don't think it was. Yeah. Um, uh, it was just little kids exploring and doing stuff. Um, I don't feel like he, he wasn't in a pressure situation that he could like, uh, coerce me to do stuff like, like an older person might do a child. Mm -hmm. So, uh, being that said, and both of us being, you know, I don't even want to use that word, but I'm going to use it because it's, I think it's the right word to use, uh, or, you know victims of molestation when we were younger. Um, do you think anybody escapes that Harley? I call it stepping on our spirit. It's one of the ways our spirit got stepped on when we were little kids. There are probably some people that do, but I mean, um, 
the more harmful thing, uh, first of all, my first question is, if the boy is the one that's hiding and coercing you, uh, who coerced him and how old were they? Because um, you learn this stuff. You don't, kids, I mean, uh, I guess they do. Show me mine, show you yours without being taught. But most of the time, this is a learned behavior. Kids don't, they want to play. They don't start doing this stuff unless they're taught this stuff. But the more harmful thing is how you were condemned about it. Um, you know, you didn't know what was right or what was wrong. Um, and it probably didn't feel wrong to you. Uh, you were told it was wrong. So kids experience it, things. And, and we, we don't know what's right and wrong until we try it. Um, you know, I don't know if it's right or wrong for me uh, to shoot somebody. I, I, I don't know if I'd be okay with it or not until I did it. I have a feeling that I wouldn't like it because I don't uh, have an inclination to kill anything or harm anybody. So I'm pretty sure I wouldn't. But until you actually do something, um, you don't know whether you're going to like it or not. And especially when you're a kid, they don't know. They're just experiencing things. And so it's how you talk to the child and tell them, you know, this is uh, something that you should wait for. You know, this is your, this is something that you do as an adult when you get older and you should probably wait. It's not right or wrong. You just wait for right now. You're a child and just talk to them. Um, and then listen to them and see what they say before you scold them. But everybody has these preconceived ideas that you're gay and all this stuff. And, and they want to put an adult situation. This is what they did to you. They put an adult concept on a child situation and that made you grow up faster than you were supposed to. And as a child, we know two things, love and fear, and they created fear in you. And so that's what you learn. You have to lock that away and don't talk about this. Don't tell anybody this. And I never want anybody to find out about this. And now you're free of that. And you're talking on a, a podcast that could be going out to all kinds of people and you don't care. You know, mine was a little different, but very much the same. Um, this boy i was like five or six same age as you were and this boy was uh like 13 or 14 and uh, he ended up being a gay man and but I, I know for a fact that he was molested uh by an adult uh probably quite a bit and uh he did coerce me and manipulate me but never really forced me to do anything so luckily nothing really bad happened. I was able to run when the really bad stuff was about to happen. I, I got away mm -hmm. and I, I told my mom, uh, but I was convinced that this boy was my friend. Um, when a 13 year old, 14 year old boy really has no business being friends with a, a five or six year old boy. And today that probably would not have flown. It wouldn't have happened. I'm sure it still happens, but uh, 
seems like people are more vigilant and watchful for it today than they were back then. Mm. Um, but I told my mom and, um, and my mom, you know, coddled me and my dad didn't talk about it, uh, which, uh, sounds like a very similar thing that you had. And so what I thought was I did something wrong in my dad's eyes and I never really looked at him the same again. And he never really looked at me the same Mm. again. And I had a rocky relationship with my dad as a result of his reaction, because my mom wanted to go kill the kid and my dad didn't. And I, I I wondered why was I not important enough for him to defend me? Mm. Um, so I just learned a lot of wrong things because I was exposed to adult situation at a young age. Yeah, I agree. And I agree with you on that, uh, as you know, as processing this, you know, no longer. And that's what, that's what the beauty, that's one of the beautiful things about this 12 step thing is that doesn't carry any weight on me anymore. You know, I'm free to talk about it and you know it just doesn't carry weight like it used to but the real thing was the uh the the harmful thing was the potential persecution that i was that i thought i would get if anybody found out yeah actual act in the stuff was not the thing to be <laughs> that was not right. harmful and the, and i don't think the 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 other guy didn't have any i i almost can guarantee he didn't have any harmful thoughts in my direction whatsoever no no um, not to dominate me, not to be a power thing. We were exactly the same age and we had known each other all of our lives, even up to then. And, uh, without, I don't want to out too much, but, uh, I, my question too was, was all once I could like get on my own feet was, you know, how did he learn this? You know, uh, yeah. I've, I've spoke to him about it and he doesn't have, he still doesn't have an answer for that. Uh, even within the past couple of years, um, you know, I went and met him once for lunch and, uh, and I hadn't seen him in 30 years and he contacted me through Facebook and he doesn't live in town, but he was going to be in town and wanted to know if I would come have lunch with him. Uh, I almost told him that I felt harmed and something come over me that, told me that if I could, because he, he does not see it as a harmful thing. He actually talks about it in a way of a treasured moment kind of stuff still. Hmm. And uh, it dawned on me that if I would tell him, you know, if I told him really how I felt, I think I'd harm him. And there just wasn't any value in doing that. I think he would have then thought that he harmed me and um, he didn't need that. Uh, I was really close. It was a split second notion that, I guess higher power led me there and, and woed me. And I'm very glad today that he did. Uh, and I don't feel that way anymore either. You know, I really don't. Um, it's something that bubbles up on most any time, time I do any personal work. Uh, it comes back up, you know, just because it's just hanging there, but it really doesn't carry that much weight anymore. Although, you know, those kind of things is that can, that can be a real heavy thing. Uh, there was one other thing I was thinking about along those lines. Yeah, I think I'll leave that alone. Uh, you know, I've experienced it well, after as I was, a parent. After- I've experienced it also mm-hmm. in another situation, and uh, and that definitely bothered me a lot more than what and it and it and it should have. <laughs> it every every Absolutely. bit it should. 
Yeah, there are uh, different, definitely different uh, levels when it's two kids, you know, uh, that's one thing. But when it gets to be an adult, uh, that's totally different. Yep, totally. But what I did after it was done to me, I would um, do kind of what you did, but with little girls. Uh, see, I knew I liked little girls. Um or girls, the only reason you were a little boy. That, huh? and you, this was when you were a little boy. So it I wasn't that you like little girls. You like girls. Oh, <laughs> they were older than me, man. Oh, I yeah, was a pimp, okay. dude. I, I, just wanted I, to make I, sure, I knew what you was talking about, but I wanted to make sure that got clarified. <laughs> yeah, these were little girls, and they were older. Most of them were older than me. Some of them were the same age, younger, whatever. But they were always girls. And um, I never, uh, I think maybe one time, uh, I did something with a, another little boy like you did. But um, this older boy, the only reason I even went around him because he would give me things uh, to let him do things to me. I never really did anything to him. He always wanted to do things to me and touch me. Um, and the only reason I let him because he would give me presents. So... Uh, um, but with me, you know, I never felt uh, like I was doing anything wrong with the girls. But with him, I felt it was wrong. I, even then, at that age, I knew something was not right because that's not uh, I didn't know anything about sex. But I, I knew that I did not jive with the, the man, especially the older boy. I knew some, felt something just didn't feel right. But with uh, this other boy, with you, uh, you know, you're, I believe you're born gay, man. And, and, and he was just experiencing his sexuality at a young age. And in his mind, he did nothing wrong. And uh, the most important thing I want people to know is when it's a child doing it, especially with another child, the bigger harm is an overreaction to this. If you just talk to him softly and gently and, and say, you know, this is something that you, you shouldn't do. And this is why, and give them a good reason why, and, and don't, and then listen to them and, you know, and make sure that they know that you're not mad at them. Um, because uh, if they think they've let you down, they're not going to tell you again. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's when kids learn to lie. And that's what steps on the spirit. And that's what makes that be a heavy burden to carry forever because yes. of that reaction to it, not the actual event. That's not. And that's exactly what happened to me. It wasn't anything to do with that. It was the reaction. And I didn't tell anybody, you know, so nobody like got on me about it. But what I did is I got older. I started going to school and talking to other peers and, you know, it was explained to me, so to speak, air quotes explained yeah. to me that me being too. gay was bad, you yeah. know, and you didn't want to be that. And right. explained to me what that meant. I remember even to some extent being, you know, what's gay? Well, that's when two guys, you know, and I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I've done yeah. that. Uh, Same thing. I didn't know it was wrong. Uh and, and, you know, so those guys weren't trying to do that either. You know, they weren't trying to stigmatize me or anything. They had no right. idea. Now they had, you know, uh, they were carrying on faulty teachings that the, they were taught. 
Yeah, and they probably all did it too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's the original. To me, the uh, in the Bible they talk about original sin. To me, the original sin is fear, uh, and it's to create fear in a child is the ultimate sin, um, and and that's what steps on the spirit is the ultimate sin. And to me, that's creating fear in a child who only wants the love. Yeah. And that's what, as parents, that's our number one job is to not create fear in our children. But it's it's something that has been passed on from generation to generation forever. Yeah, yeah there's a, and I'm not a big Bible person, but I've heard it said before that, uh, uh, and I don't know how it went down, but, but when they became ashamed of what they were doing, you know, when they started having to cover themselves up and the shame that came with that, which fear and shame are cousins, um, if not brothers, uh, that that shame was involved. And that's, that's exactly where I stood with what was going on with me. I, I you right. know, became, it was, I became ashamed of it big time, you know, and it's, that's a, uh, what they say uh i know but i didn't i didn't look at it as an event that happened to me i began to think of it as part of something of me that was broken mm -hmm. that was dirty you know uh and one of the things has a circle around that and, and it and it can come in any form whatsoever and we've talked about that you know this getting your spirit stepped on um and about how, you know, the Buddha said life is suffering, right? But then if you read down on it a little bit, suffering is probably not really the right word. Um, as a lot of uh, ancient teachings, as they got, um, when people had to interpret them, or what, what's the word when you change languages? Uh, translated. Mm -hmm. That... Uh, <clears throat> It's more like, uh, well, they said it's dukkha is the word that the Buddha actually used. And it, it got translated to suffering. And it, it can mean suffering. And it can mean pain. Hmm. Um, it also comes to the, uh, there's a meaning in it that has to do with impermanence and, and change. You know, that we're, often, that's another big one. That would that we're uh, everything is impert in permanent you know it's going to rot back away we die everything changes which is a good thing mm -hmm. sometimes but then another thing that's one of those fear deals because we tend to fear that and then uh, also he said in there which is real interesting what i read it said about that it also talked about like conditioned states so then when you're conditioned as a certain way and mm -hmm. it becomes like a faulty teaching and that's what the, uh, that's what this particular author said about this word dukkha that was improperly trans not improperly but not exactly accurately traced trans uh, translated as suffering. And uh, we're going to receive some of that. It's just a part of life. And that's what the Buddha was saying. And then what we have to do, you know, the, the deal is, and the teaching is, is that to, that you work through that and rise above it and, uh, and 
those are you know the life's life's battles the journey yeah learning from it is the key uh, now that we've talked about minor stuff but there are uh we have we're not talking about rape there is rape and yeah there is complete uh domination of one person on another so yep. there there is an opposite to everything so this is how we learn from it so if you were completely dominated and controlled sexually well, it doesn't necessarily doesn't necessarily have to translate back sexually but that on that means on the other side of the universe somewhere of your universe there is complete freedom and that is the goal so to teach you how to um be that completely free we need to experience this this complete opposite so yeah. that means if if you were raped that on the other side uh and it's going to be a journey to get there there's complete freedom of this and that's that's your soul's path and this has been placed in your path to for you to overcome this and get to the other side now that sounds like uh, a lot of hocus pocus bullshit when you're suffering from the condemnation and the Absolutely. guilt and the shame um i didn't say it was going to be easy but that's your goal is to reach that other side that's what you came here to be is a free spirit and at first you have to have been prison imprisoned and then to break free of that and then to reach that ultimate freedom which is the ability for us to talk about this uh on on a podcast i've heard women share this in meetings uh and women get up all the time and talk about how they were abused uh and they've broken free of that uh those chains that have bind them and they they've embraced who they really are so um there's a reason this happened that's in my belief and it's horrible that it happened and the 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 main reason is there's some sick people out there that harm people and uh that's just the reality of of life is there's sick people that do harmful things to people um and they cause a lot of damage and then we're left to pick up the pieces yeah that uh you are are spiritually sick things some people are uh you know it's some people are uh, more spiritually sick than others and i have to believe that the people yeah i'm not sure that there's actually i don't know that there's actually evil people like true evil then there might be i'm not saying there's not but i think more times it's people it's the spiritually sick person that is exerting this and doing the free will thing with a sick, sick spirit that causes you to do terrible things to other people yeah uh because i don't believe i still i reject the theory that even somebody like hitler or stalin when they were two years old they were evil i still believe in the tssr thing that they were born free children and they were taught something that sent them that direction uh they didn't they didn't take that path on their own 
And once I got into now, when I was a little kid, like I said, I did a little bit of that at first. But once uh, I outed this other boy, I, I didn't do that to anybody anymore uh, because I thought it was bad. Yeah. Um, and I never done that as a teenager or an adult to any child. I've never done that. Um, but there are people who are imprisoned in this guy that I'm talking about that did that to me. He actually is in a prison or the last time I heard he was in a prison somewhere for doing this. He actually ended up molesting his brother and I think getting a lot of trouble and his brother committed suicide from him. And he molested other people in his family too. Uh, So there are people that pass this on uh, to other people. And what I learned, what I learned to do is think about what would it have taken for me to be like that? Yeah. these people weren't born this way. Mass murderers weren't born this way. Now, now I, I'm not going to try to say that there's not some a chemical imbalance in the brain that causes that. But most of the time, people are made to do this. They're, they're, they're transformed into something that they originally weren't because of what was done to them. There's some horrific things that are done to children, and they turn out to be, you know, what people call monsters, but they don't look back and say, what would it have taken for me to be like that and have a little bit of compassion for this person? I know that's hard to do, but, you know, we all started as kids and nobody's walked in anybody else's shoes. So you don't know what you do until you've been there. So Yep. Uh, uh, Jordan Peterson has some teachings along the same line that talks about, you know, looking at kind of understanding that you actually are capable of doing those things. Had you been treated the same way that person was, you are fully capable of having been turned into the same kind of monster. Uh, And and, that's how I was able to find forgiveness when I, uh, when I got to my A step, I was able to find forgiveness for this guy because of that. Yeah. Yeah. I knew and a situation. And it's a pretty simple thing just on the day to day. If we just take it and take all that heaviness off of it. And you've talked to me, I think you might've been one of the first persons that landed this in my lap was for me to look and see when I'm complaining about what somebody else did. Had I ever done that before, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and it's nowhere near this heavy kind of thing, but just when we are yeah. just our day to day of holding a resentment against somebody, uh, it's a, it's a nice little tool because I do use it now, you know, and, and it allows me to forgive people, uh, and, you know, not, you know, I either going to crucify them or forgive them and let's see which one Dan wants to do today. You know, well, I think forgiveness is a lot smoother path. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, this is sexual control. Take off the word sexual and you just got control. So where have you dominated somebody? Where have you controlled somebody? See, people try uh, try to compare apples to apples, but it's all fruit. It's just how rotten is your fruit? Yeah. So uh, your your form of control, if it was like financial or physical, uh, compare that to, on a scale of one to ten of what this person did sexually you know a little boy and a little boy on a scale of one to ten that's maybe a two at best 
But when, you know, like an adult beats a child on my book, that's a 10. So, yeah, I mean, right. uh, what kind, how much control did you uh, uh, exhibit on people? And that's the thing, you know, uh, people have a problem with people stealing to them, stealing from them or lying to them. <clears throat> and uh, I'm like, well, they're both dishonesty. Where have you been dishonest and how dishonest were you? You're, you're focusing on a version of dishonesty and saying, I don't do that. But you could be lying to yourself a hell of a lot worse than other people are stealing from you. you know, just because I take a dollar from you and then you've been lying to yourself uh, your whole life about I'm a great dad when your kids hate you. So yeah. it's all yeah. semantics. Yeah. We used a word there, control. And uh, we touched on that a little bit, too, in this uh you know, that's another, everything's got a scale, right? Uh, from from where you need, from how much control you think you need or want to, you know, complete dominance of wherever situation you're trying to be in, even to the point of that controlling type of thing of, of overpowering another human being and, uh, and, and, and uh, assaulting them in whatever way that that happens. Um, you know, one thing I've heard, is in the control thing is that people who had very little that were dominated when they were small, they are then trying to regain some kind of control as they grow up. And that's why they exhibit and why they start, you know, doing that kind of thing to other people is because of what the way that they felt. They had no control and are reaching to try and get some control in their life. Right. Um, I'm trying not to. Uh, so I'm trying to not to like pull out certain situations uh, that of people I know. Um, but if you had no control at all when you were growing up, and you were completely dominated. You're going to be reaching for that. It's going to be something you're going to want. You know, it's kind of like uh, I don't know some people that are born in poverty and really never had anything. Uh, as they get older. It, they, can, they can run into this life of scarcity where they're reaching for every little thing. I think that's where like hoarding comes from where when you didn't have anything and now you got this chance to get stuff and you don't really care what it is, but you're going to get a lot of it uh, because I was conditioned to be living in this scarcity thing. So now I need to hoard stuff to make sure that I'm feeling covered. Um, go ahead. Control. Um, well, Everybody has heard of the terrible twos and that two-year-olds are, can be like little hellions and stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, they're not. Uh, two years seems to be when the will develops according to the, the chakra teaching that I follow. That's when your creativity is at the highest. Um, and you want to experience things. That's when they're learning to walk and crawl and they want to experience life. They want to learn. That's all they're trying to do is learn. And you have these people who don't want their kids to get into certain things and they want to watch every little thing that they do and don't touch that or no, 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 or eh, eh, eh. and, um, you're stifling the kids' experience. You're stifling their creativity. And uh, just think about it. If, if you walk through uh, a, a 
a department store and you were wanting to try on shoes and coats and stuff like that. And uh, the uh, salesperson kept going, no, 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 uh, 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 don't touch that. You get pissed off and you leave the store or, or you throw a fit right there and, and call them all kinds of names. So nobody likes to be stifled when they're trying to experience something. And, you know, that's why the kids fight back is because they want to be free. They want to be free and experience life. <clears throat> so everybody seems to agree that we have, a, or most people would agree that we have a, a God-given right to be free. Um, and yet everybody wants to control each other. Uh, and say, you need to believe this, or you need to think this way, or you need to do that. And kids are, again, back to kids, they're the ones that take the brunt of the attack. Uh, that's one reason I wanted to uh, start this uh, meeting for teenagers. I'd really like to start a meeting for like eight and nine-year-olds uh, and give them a chance to be heard. That's what everybody wants is a chance to be heard. Mm -hmm. uh, and these poor kids just get told what to do from the time they get up to the time they lay down. Uh, they're managed and controlled and judged and told this is wrong. And, and they have no place to go with it. They bury it and um, they develop what we call spiritual sickness. And so it all stems with, control in yeah, uh, the fear that I'm never going to get to have a voice. The, uh, and, you know, and then, and then our systems and institutions, uh, you know, you're getting that control as you're a two-year-old when you're home or as, and as you grow and you're being told controlled, you're being controlled, controlled, controlled. And then we go to school and what's that set up to do? control me control me control me and we basically get conditioned to do that uh if you don't just walk the line uh you're going to be in some trouble someday right i mean it, it shouldn't be necessarily because you know i think it's funny that uh you know i i just i went through this with my son you know we got a seven-year-old boy that can't sit still in school well no shit you know i don't really think uh God made seven-year-old little boys to sit still. <laughs> they're, mm -hmm. they're, they're not created to do that. And then you're doing just like what you said. We're forcing them to do something that they don't want to do. They're not, it doesn't come natural to them. And, uh, and you know, and then they get in trouble for being little boys. Mm -hmm. uh, there's some stories now and again that you see where these like free spirit people have been raised that way when that they're not been put under that the thumb hasn't been pressed on them all their whole life. Um, and most of the time, you know, that's, uh, they become, well, I should be careful about that, but they can become adults uh, who are too free for society. Because <laughs> uh, it's just not, uh, that's not the way you're supposed to be nowadays. Uh, but I, I see that. And then, you know, um, I had that with my kids when I was still sick. I wanted to control them all the time. 
I wanted to do that, you know, and I, and also a lot of it, you know, I realized that, and this is a little cliche to me today is that when my kids act up in the grocery store and I got pissed, it wasn't because my kids were acting up in the grocery store It's because I looked and thought that I was looked at as a bad father because my kids acted mm-hmm. up. It wasn't because they were bad. It was what, it, what, how did this make me look? Mm-hmm. Um, once I broke through this stuff, uh, I, you know, and I'm starting to allow my kids to be as free as, you know, as I can let them be. Um, and they respond good to that. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, relationships generally got some kind of ba- imbalance of control. You know, one person in a relationship is trying to, and I know there's good ones too, but when they're not going on, when a relationship's having uh is on rocky road or when they're having problems generally it is one or one or the other or they're that balance that that striving to for the control in the situation rather than having a balanced type of uh situation i think you know same thing with the sexual assaults i think you know that's that's control and power that's not sex Mm -hmm. it's exerting control um pick it up uh, I went to vote one time and the lady next to me, uh, had a little three-year-old girl with her and the little girl was standing beside her. And then she started to like wander off and the mother, she got down on her level and she said, I need you to stay beside me because mommy doesn't know everybody in here and I want you to be safe. So I want, I need you to stay right here. And she explained everything to her. She didn't talk down to her. Um, the little girl didn't respond, but I'm sure if she would have responded, the mother wouldn't have listened. So if, if you learn to communicate with your kids instead of, you know, talk at your kids and, uh, preach to your kids, um, uh, they, they'll, they'll become healthier. They'll, uh, they feel like they have a choice. Uh, I always with my grandsons, uh, have given them choices. Now, sometimes those choices are skewed to what I want them to do. I don't know. You know, I don't want them to choose something, you know, that's going to cause them harm. But, uh, when it comes to bedtime, you know, I give them choices. We can do this or we can do this. Well, I want to do this. And I say, well, we're, we're going to do this or we're going to do this. And eventually they'll make a choice and I'm not controlling them completely. I mean, I'm, I'm guiding them, but guiding. I'm not controlling them. Yeah, that's what I do. Have, uh, that's what, uh, I do have a certain responsibility as a parent to guide my children. You know, I have some guardrails I should put sufficiently apart and say, you know, this is the side here and this is the side there and you're expected to stay between them, uh, but uh, not, you know, pull them on and tell them they got to walk the stripe down the middle of the road and and don't step off of it. Uh, yep. I, uh, I wished I'd have known that when they were littler because I don't, you know, I heard somebody say not too awful long ago that, uh, uh the mold is cast by the time they're two or three years old or something. I can't remember. Uh, uh, maybe he said seven. Now I've lost it, but that we, uh, um, 
Well, better late than never. That's uh, you know, I'm I'm glad that I finally did understand a little of that. Um, it is a fun thing to uh pass on to like sponsees that have young children. You know, that is a place where like my teachings, you were talking about stopping the cycle of uh, you know, I, I'm fortunate to know some guys who had children or after they had hit recovery after they had recovery tools yeah, and uh, those children are a blast to be around. Uh, They're, they're fun and free and, you know, but they're not bad. It's not like they're free hellions, but right. uh, They're cool little kids. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, I I think uh, if you want to control your kids, you should be allowed to do that, but I think you should pay them uh, a minimum wage and put it in the trust fund. So if they have to experience 18 years of being controlled, they got a nest egg that they can move out of your fucking house and, <laughs> and start their life and never have to talk to you again. Um, Cause you know, I'm, I'm controlled when I'm at work, uh, but I, they're giving me money for it. So I'm letting them control me. Yeah, the rent, so yeah. I, I think, you know, if you're going to control your kids, there should be a law that says you got to pay them. And I'm half joking, but I'm probably more I understand your yeah. I, I understand your point. Switch around and get uh I don't know. I was gonna put a label on it, but I'm gonna stop. What do you struggle with most today? What do I struggle with most today? Yeah. Uh I don't struggle very long with anything, but the most recent thing I struggled with is uh, being stuck in this hospital bed. I'm disabled. I can't walk. uh, And I'm in a nursing home at 53 years old and I've got so much to offer and so much love to give. And I can't give it the way that I want to give it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that I should be given it. And uh, for a long time, probably a six to eight month period, I just shut down and I stopped. I'm like, you know what? If, if I can't do it my way, I ain't going to do it, period. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I can't help the people the way I think they deserve and I deserve to be out there among the people doing this instead of stuck in this nursing home, and I'm just going to shut down and not do anything. And I did that for a long time. I disconnected from a lot of people. Never disconnected from God, although I was irritated a lot with God uh, for this situation. And uh, hang on one second. Can we pause it? We can. So I shut down and uh, I, I, kind of just isolated and, um, you know, when internal, um, I was always connected to my spirit and I always, I mean, I didn't lose complete connection with everybody. Um, I just kind of slipped into a self pity phase for about six to eight months, but it, it, I didn't, I've learned enough to not let it eat me up. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't have the ability to do really anything too crazy. So 
Yeah. Uh, they can't walk. So uh, I'm lucky in that aspect. And I have people that love me that kind of wouldn't let me just sit in here and waste away. So um, I started working with a friend of mine, Frank, and uh, he kind of uh, got me back on track spiritually and um, with some energy work that he did with me. And um, I just started getting back into the groove. I started practicing, you know, my um, spiritual practice, which is energy work and um, started going from there. My spirit started to heal when I started to work with other people again and got back into it. But the, what I deal with the most is, uh, but you know, being like mm-hmm. right now, we're back on lockdown and getting here because COVID's back in the hospital. Uh-huh. But I went through for like a year, almost a year and a half, where I didn't get to see people. And just recently, I've been able to have visitors in my room again, and that's lifted me back up. So hopefully, whatever's going on now doesn't last very long because I need to be around people. And that's what really took me into that depressed state so it's and not having people you know yep uh that's like hey it's the immobility and then the also the isolation the one thing yeah. you can get out and then uh, nobody can come in set up a thing where nobody yeah. can come in either right so yeah that's a um I'm sure that not too many people could actually relate with that that are listening to this anyway. Um, I tell you though, it had, it's been two and a half years and uh, it, the level of humility that it has brought me, uh, I never thought I I would have. Um, It it has really humbled me to the core. Um, And it's, it's something that probably would have taken me, another 20 years in the program to gain this level of humility. And uh, I can't remember what I said in my last podcast, but it humility was the key to something. I wish I could remember how I said it, but it is. I said, yeah, we'll have to go back and see what that was, (laughs) but it's, it's the key to uh, uh, to spiritual growth for sure is humility. Uh, and it's definitely the key to service. Um, service with humility, uh, altruistic is what they use in the big book. And that just means service without thought of return. And that, that's all based in humility. Yeah. Um, helping somebody without needing credit for it. Yeah. So, I'm of the opinion that is an essential to a success, happy, successful life. If those labels work out, any kind of thing like that. And if, if you don't have that as an element in your life, you're uh, going to be missing something. Yeah. Whatever that means. If that means going down and help feed the homeless, or if that means giving away your fortune to a charity or, you know, no, no, it's actually, I think right. it's our time. You know, I think it's a uh, more, more, our time is the most valuable thing we have period. And, uh, and if you're not giving it away freely someplace, uh, you're, you're missing an element that is, I think, required for, for, I'll use those two words, successful, happy life. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mean successful, like money. You know what I mean? To have right. Yeah. yeah. So 
Well, you said two words, successful and the happy life. That's three words. So that's three. what I was okay. that's what I was yeah. laughing about. Okay. I'm my 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 southern Indiana accountant, my math. Um what's some what's something people seem to misunderstand about you? Um uh, I don't know. I think sometimes they now now I don't think so much that I'm laying in a bed, but before I'm a pretty imposing guy. I'm uh about six foot one, 260, 270 pounds. Um, and t- tattoos, although most of my tattoos are spiritual. I didn't get them until after I was sober and I have a beard. And um, well, I got long hair now. I didn't then, but I'm just an imposing guy. And uh, I think the uh, the physical um, factor isn't was intimidating to people. But since I've learned, uh, it's hard to be around me and not share your true feelings. There's just something about my energy that brings out in other people that they want to tell me stuff. I can't tell you the number of people in this hospital that, that do not work a program that come up and tell me, start talking about their life with me and they're say. Uh, I shouldn't be telling you this, or I can't believe I'm telling you this, or I don't know why I feel like I can talk to you. And I'm like, well, I know why. So you just keep talking. Um, and it happens almost on a daily basis. I've got several people that will come and vent to me um, because they know I'll listen. Um, I had a, a girl the other day ask me about um, um asked me if I was Christian. I said, yeah, yeah. Um, in my own way, I am a Christian. And um, she said, well, you, do you believe in baptism? I said, yeah. Um, I was baptized as a, ch- a child, so I believe in it. And she's like, well, a lot of churches won't let you in and, uh, unless, uh, and, and I asked her if she was baptized as a child, and she said, yes. Um, they won't let you in unless you agree to be baptized. And I'm like, well, that's fucking bullshit. And uh, <laughs> she's like, or no, I said that, I, that's effed up. Uh, I don't know why I didn't say it again because I just said the word, but uh, I said, that's effed up. And uh, she's like, well, you're not a true Christian. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> and I like, so I explained to her what I thought a Christian was. And I said, have you read the Bible? And she said, yeah. And I said, have you read the parts uh, where it talks about Jesus and what he did? And she said, yeah. And I said, I do those things. Therefore, I walk the same path that Jesus did. And so I think of myself as not only a Christian, but a true Christian, because I, I, I use Christ as my example. And, um, Christ accepted everyone into his church, everyone, prostitutes, thieves, whatever. And so when I say that's bullshit, um, that's because Christ didn't do it. So once I finished telling her that, she was like, I never thought about it that way. Thank you. And uh, so you just give people an option to believe uh, what they want to believe, but 
like once again, you give them a choice. So the, the misconception about me is uh, that I'm unapproachable. It's the reason they don't understand the reason they think it's because it's something about me that I'm intimidating. Well, what's intimidating is uh, their ego knows that if you're around me at some point, um, you're going to spill your guts to me. It just <laughs> happens over and over. And the ego doesn't want no part of me. So it keeps people away from me. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a little, you know, and I know that some people have it in different measures and stuff, but I think it's another thing of what you become uh, when your spirit frees up. Yeah. You know, like after doing 12 steps. Yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, people that approach you, uh, their guard comes down somehow or another, you know, and they're able to, uh, you know, present you with things that they probably wouldn't present a complete stranger. Right. You know, I'm on my day to day travels as I'm out working in people's homes. Uh, I find the same thing, you know, people begin to talk about talk to me, you know, and you know, I'm just a damn handyman over here fixing the doorknob, you know, right. uh, and right. we'll start opening up at some level that uh, I certainly don't expect. And it's become pretty normal now uh, that I'm actually like, when, when I leave, I'm actually going to know these people pretty well. They, <laughs> they've yeah. opened up to me. I think it's a feeling that we generate based on what the, the big book calls conscious contact with the higher power. Um, and I think that connection uh, emanates an energy and those people are drawn to that energy, like lights to a flame. Uh, I mean, I'm, um, bugs to a, a light you know a, yeah like moss, moss to a flame. flame moss to a flame that's what right. it is yeah not saying everyday ordinary normal people are moss but sheep maybe but no <laughs> sorry that's a bad joke yeah. uh, <laughs> um How did you, I'm, this is something I've never heard. How did you meet your wife? At a karaoke bar. A karaoke well, bar. It wasn't a bar, uh, but there was beer or else I wouldn't have been there probably. But it was a pizza place and they had like a, a pizza buffet kind of thing. And a friend of mine knew the guy that did the karaoke and we all uh, were in a baseball league uh, together. Um, I helped run a baseball league and one of my buddies did. And, and we knew some of the, the families from the league and one of them knew this guy. And so he liked karaoke. So we would go there and I would get drunk and sing karaoke. And, uh, well, I, I didn't get drunk too much. I hardly ever got drunk. Uh, I could never drink enough. Mm. Um, but, uh, I was sitting around with some of my buddies last night, that, that night. And, uh, one of them worked with, uh, she's my wife. Now one of them worked with Karen. And, uh, so he wanted to introduce me to her. Well, I was really shy and, um, like you, I never wanted anybody to find out about what happened to me. And I was so used to people 
people did find out about it. And I was so used to people picking on me because of that. And I didn't like to be picked on um, that. I thought everything that they did was uh, trying to get, trying to trick me. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and so the, I thought he was going to get this woman to come over, pretend she liked me, and then make fun of me about it. So she get, she came over, and I thought she was attractive. And uh, she gave me her number. And first of all, I, I was like, well, what's she want to do with me? I mean, this has got to be a setup. because You know, I could never get a woman uh, like that. And uh, so she gave me her, her phone number. And uh, I think I still today have that little piece of paper. It was on a karaoke slip, you know, the song slip. Yeah. And she wrote her number on the back. I never called her, never called her because I thought it was a joke. So two weeks goes by and this guy's at a UFL football game. And my other buddy who liked to pick on me was gone. And so it was just me up there with my uh, buddy who know the karaoke guy. And, and he never picked on me. Me and him were really cool. And um, he's since passed, and I lost track with him, and I miss him. Um, he uh, so this guy who uh, knew Karen, who worked with Karen, who was one of her managers, and um, she was there with uh, some of her family, her son, and I think maybe her brother and his daughter and his wife. But uh, this guy's wife, um, she came up to me and she said, why did you never call her back? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she explained it. And I'm like, well, that was a joke. They were just trying to pull a trick on me. And she's like, no, man, she really likes you. Uh. And, and I, was, I was a couple sheets <laughs> to the wind that night. And so I had a little more confidence than I normally had. And so I talked to her for a long time and she, she'll tell you this day that I was sober. I was not, uh, <laughs> you just can't tell when I'm, I'm drunk, but I wasn't sober that night. So the next day when I sobered up, guess what I did? I didn't call her. <laughs> I didn't call her. And uh, a few more days went by, maybe a week more went by. And uh, so she called me finally. And then I realized it wasn't a joke and I started to talk to her and, uh, but yeah, I was painfully shy around women all my life and it was because of what happened to me. Yeah. Yep. I can understand that. Uh, I had a similar kind of thing. I remember needing to do stuff that to prove I wasn't gay. You know, I really yeah. needed you to see that I was not, no, it wasn't <laughs> that you thought I was, but I need to make damn sure you knew. Um, well, the other thing that I never told anybody uh, that was going to the grave with me is I was 31 years old and lost my virginity to my wife. I, I, I was that scared of women. Um, um, I, I was painfully scared uh, of women, thought that they were going to make fun of me. Um, I don't know. It, it all came from that. Uh, that and it just built the fear built over the years of you know keeping those secrets and i made up girlfriends and lied and stuff but you know i just never had the confidence 
to yeah. approach them. Do you have a favorite childhood memory? Uh, not really. Not really. Uh, I'm trying to think. Not one that really stands out. Uh, I remember uh, um, it was a picture more than a memory because I wasn't real old. I was about four. I remember it, but I remember, remember it more from the picture. But I had this little plastic blow-up swimming pool, and uh, it had the heads of these animals around these the outside of this plastic circle so it was almost looked like a carousel and i remember yeah. getting in this pool and sitting on these uh animals and i think my favorite one was a giraffe and i remember just sitting out there in the backyard for forever just uh until they got really really dark and they took a picture of me because i used to play on that thing all the time so that's one of the ones that come to mind, but I don't have a lot. I have a lot of good childhood memories, but the ones that come to mind are the more, uh, the ones that I can't forget are the, uh, the fear-based memories, but I don't know that I really have a favorite childhood memory. Yeah. I got some, some favorite toys when I was a kid for Christmas. There's a $6 million man that was back in the seventies. That was yep. a TV show. And I, I got that. this little doll and it had bionic parts and you could take them out of lift up the sleeve of his arm and take out these bionic parts. I wanted that so bad. And I think I got that. And in the same year, I got an evil Knievel wind up motorcycle toy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I had that too. Yeah. I, had I remember stuff man. like that. Yeah. Yep. And another one I remember was I had a, a stretch Armstrong. I don't know uh, why that, why that, but he was like full of putty and you could stretch him real long and, yeah. and pull on him. And I remember one of the reasons why I remember that so bad, so much is because uh, I ended up poking a hole in it and he bleeds when you poke a hole in him. Yeah. Not blood, but goo. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't want him to go. Uh, I knew if he got cold, he didn't leak. So I kept him in the refrigerator, but I couldn't play with him anymore, <laughs> but I didn't want that. <laughs> So I left him in the refrigerator so he wouldn't leak out on me. Yeah. <laughs> Just tossing him. Uh, you know, talking about Christmas, that was my favorite memory was Christmas time. Uh, it was like a magical time. And that's when my aunt would come with my uh, cousin. And uh, I didn't really give two shits about my uncle. He was a dick. But uh, my aunt and my cousin, I really loved them and I really loved being around them. So they would come, uh, for Christmas every year. And then she married again to another guy who I really liked. And so every time they would come over, it was a really exciting time. So Christmas Eve is my favorite childhood memory, but that was multiple years. Yeah. Uh, probably up until I got until my adult time. Yeah, I have a lot of fond Christmas memories, too. And, you know, I'm actually sitting in the room where for this big screen TV wasn't in front of me. I'd be able to see where the Christmas tree was at when I was a little kid, mm. uh, almost year after year. And it's uh, neat to be. I do like living in the house I grew up in. 
I am, uh, I'm a very grounded person anyway. Uh, so, you know, I, there's a little chance that I will move away. I won't say I won't, but there's little chance of me doing that. And, uh, I'm somebody who's very comfortable in, uh, familiar grounds, I guess you could say. Yeah. So with this whole thing, with the way that you're, you know, you said you had this eight months or so of dark time and wanting to give up, uh, what motivated you to break that? And, uh, what motivates you today to not go back there? My wife and my grandsons, um, um, <clears throat> that's, that's what's kept me going is the, uh, I've never had the idea that uh, I would be stuck in here forever. I knew that was eventually that I will uh, go home. I just, I don't know the how part of it and that frustrates me, but mm -hmm. uh, I've really conditioned myself not to talk about it that much yeah. because when I talk about it, that's when I get into that. I don't know right now. I don't know how the hell it's going to happen because I really don't. I have to be physically rolled and moved and taken care of and changed and all that stuff. Uh, and my wife can't do that. So I don't know how that's going to happen, but I've, and I've never given up on walking again because I believe in miracles. So, yeah. um, I, I don't think I'll ever give up, give up on that, but, uh, it's just, uh, uh, not being there for my grandson who really needs me right now. And I still can do that. Uh, I'm starting to talk to him on the phone a lot uh, because he's been struggling a lot with uh, like when he got COVID uh, he's got COVID now. And he called me Monday when he found out after he left the doctor's office crying and he thought he was going to die. Mm. And um, so I just talked to him and explained to him, just like I was talking about earlier. I, I told him, you know, this is what I know. Um, this is what, you know, I've talked to him about reincarnation and, and I've reminded him again that, um, he has the choice to believe that, um, if he dies, he can come back. And, uh, I remember the day he called me, uh, scared to die. And, and I said, you know, this is what I believe. And I said, now I'm not telling you to believe that, but, uh, you can choose. And uh, I said, so which do you choose, you know, to believe what I'm telling you or to believe? He said, well, what do you think? I'm going to choose you. Hmm. <laughs> he did that, said that the other day. But um, so he he's the That's reason, cool. both my grandson, uh, I, I'm here to, to help them not get conditioned too bad. Um, if I was there, I believe I could be doing a lot more. But yeah. Um, I can still do enough uh, for him. And then, then I found out there's still a lot of people that need me. Um, and I've been putting myself out there more and people have been, you know, they don't come to me. I have to put myself out there to them and say, uh, Oh, by the way, do you need some help? Yeah, I need some help. Uh, instead of them coming to me, but uh, it's keeping me, uh, uh, being of service keeps me from thinking about myself right? Uh, and feeling sorry for myself. Again, uh, similar to that 
altruistic service. Another key to life is having some way to avoid the self-centered self get out of myself. Yes. Uh, uh, oh, again, maybe someday I'll write a book. If you were to write yeah. a book, what would you write a book about? Uh, kids, conditioning kids. Yeah. I have a heart that way too, you know, and I didn't really see it, uh, how much, uh, satisfaction I got when I was a cub master and was able to have like this positive role model influence on, on kids, boys specifically. Uh -huh. And, uh, I think that was the first time where I started actually realizing some kind of, um, gift that direction. And, you know, one of the things that really catches me quickly is when people come into recovery in their twenties, and even though they're not kids, uh, just that early coming in and having a shot at changing their lives. Uh, I always want that guy, you know, huh? Yeah. Because uh, <clears throat> I just think about, you know, that again, how many more years you can salvage out of a lifetime, you know, yeah. my, mine has started at 45, uh, you know, so however many I've got left. But if you, when you can turn your life around in your 20s and get these tools under your belt, uh, you know, the steps are meant to reconcile things, you know, to some extent, right? Uh, a lot of it is facing up and, and reconciling the past, um, whether that's through resentments or when you get to where you're doing harms and or through the forgiveness and stuff. But like we said earlier, you know, if you could like prevent that, you may not need the steps. You know, if you don't have, uh, I don't know if that's really possible, but I'm just throwing out ideas that way that, again, if you if we stop breaking people, we could stop having to fix them. Exactly. I mean, you still might have alcoholism, but because uh, that's a brain chemistry thing. But um, if you don't have a reason to seek it in the first place, you know, you're never going to know. Yeah, there's um, some people out there would say, you know, there's like these intersecting things. And one of them is, is the genetic uh, disposition for it. And then when that strikes some type of trauma, uh, it's almost always points at some chemical substance abuse issues. So if you could That's, prevent the trauma. <laughs> my top, my top three things. And, and, and there's no order to these. Mm -hmm. uh, there is an order to me, but I don't want to sound uncaring, but uh, it's, it's uh, conditioning kids, abusing women, uh, um, especially sexually. Um, and animals, abusing animals. Mm -hmm. um, kids um, are here to teach us. We got it backwards. They're, they're here to teach us how to be free. But all we want to do is condition them. Women are here to teach us compassion as men. That's it. That's I mean, yes, they have our babies, but we can learn a lot about compassion from listening to a woman actually listening to her and then dogs are here to teach us awareness because there's nothing more aware than a dog 100 yeah. in the present moment all the time um if you ever want to practice awareness and being in the moment or in the now watch a dog yeah. they are always in the present moment they're never they're either asleep or they're um, 
maybe if, I don't know what they think about when they're not doing anything, yeah. but um, they're probably just waiting for you to move. They're just got their eyes closed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just waiting for something to happen. I'm just going to sit yeah. here and be in the moment that I'm in until something yep. new happens. Yep. Yeah. Uh, some of these are kind of normal questions, but I still want to get the answers. Uh, what are a couple, one, two, or three books that you'd recommend somebody read? Um, well, I'm, I'm not a big reader. Um, and like I said, I, I, I have forced myself to read certain spiritual books, uh, yeah, but you can still say from the standpoint of like some teachers because they have books. Yeah. And maybe you didn't read them, maybe you listened. But so we're not talking about Harry Potter because that's my number one. Is book, it? No, that's fine. That's uh, a great answer. Uh, uh, that series. Uh, that's just my. I like that kind of stuff. I like magic. Um, so spiritual wise, I would say um, Neil Donald Walsh is. Uh, three book series on conversations with God. Um, that's about a guy who was who had uh, was pretty successful in the radio business and broke his neck and lost everything. Lived in a homeless camp and got back on his feet. Got a job in radio uh, and then started to have problems again. And he was out of the homeless camp. And then he just one night, he just shouted to the universe, uh, you know, what's, what's the problem or what's the point or just shouting at God. And he heard a voice that said, do you really want to know the answer? And he said, yes. And he started taking the legal pads and writing down these answers and he would ask questions and he would get these answers back. And, um, it all seemed kind of hokey to me, but when I read the book, the words that were on the page, if they, I don't care where they came from or supposed to have come from, it made a lot of sense. It resonated with me. Um, and so the questions he was answering were questions, uh, that you and I would ask, um, and he would get these answers, and they were very common sense uh, answers. And a lot of them uh, were uh, explained misconceptions that we had about God. And uh, it was very interesting. I've really only ever read the first book. But the Did you other say his name was again? Neil Donald Walsh. Huh. And the book is, not, there's a not- movie. Huh? Go ahead. Go ahead. I say, it's not movie. often somebody comes off with somebody that I've never heard of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was the first one. I found the movie, I think, first. Uh, it's called Conversations with God. Now that's a movie. A that rings a bell. Yeah. And then that was the first book. Um, and then he wrote a couple more afterwards. But the first book is the, the most known book, and it's the most useful book that I've read. So that's number one. Um, number two would be uh, Wayne Dyer. Um, that that was the first book I read. It was called uh, "There Is a Spiritual Solution to Every Problem." 
I remember reading that one, and that was a hard book to read because I was fairly newly sober. Um, and it, like I said, it was hard to read, but um, I, I had to reread a lot of pages, but uh, that one helped me um, develop. Uh, it's an energy-based book, uh, and that got me into energy, um, energy work. And then um, there's a second book, so we'll stay on the same author, uh, by, uh, by Wayne Dyer. It's called Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life, Living the Wisdom of the Tao Te Ching. And that is the, the Tao Te Ching. It's a book of wisdom and um, kind of a spiritual philosophy. Um, and he explains it. These verses were written. It's older than the Bible. It was like 2,500 years ago. And uh, it's like 82 verses. And they're written in Chinese, I believe. And uh, you have people translate them. And so he's taken the seven best translations. Um and uh, put them into one book, and then he explains it. Um, and then my third book would be the Tao Te Ching. That was the actual one, which the Tao Te Ching has starts with a T and a T. And but it's you give me ten. Can you give me ten? I'll pick it back uh, up. They're going to give me ten more minutes. Okay, good. I just happened to text that. You know, it's one that comes up a bunch. Sixth, credited to 6th century B.C. sage, that Lao. Lao Tzu. Lao Tzu. It has a C. It's, you know, again, it's spelled yeah. for me. Yeah, it's Lao Tzu. 2,400 years old is what it says. Definitely a good reading. What about... Uh, uh, Stephen Mitchell is the uh, probably the most uh, recognized author that translated his translations are the most uh common uh accurate but wayne dyer's book is has a lot more information about it it kind of tells you how to practice it um in your daily life so those are those are my top three books yeah 24 year old they call it a, this here's calls it i like it 2,400-year-old reminder that today, as then, every one of us has a choice to practice self-awareness and exercise our power in and over the world. I did a search the other day on 12-step spiritual recovery for the word power, and it said 1,000-plus times. <laughs> it, quit, it, quit, it, it quit counting, or I, don't, I guess that's as many as you can ask for. Um, can you, can you think of something that you wish I'd have asked you? Um, no, but as soon as we end the call, I'll probably think of 15 or 20 things, but, um, well, might, might change the podcast to D and D. There you go. 
No, I really can't think. We covered quite a bit of uh, stuff, covered some deeper stuff than I thought we were going to do. Yeah, I always come in completely open. I had a couple of things on my mind. Uh, when I listened to your first podcast, uh, for whatever reason, it rang on me real hard about talking about being molested when you were a child. And, uh, and I couldn't help but jot that down. I want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, you know, those that sixth sense intuition thing today, you know, when I get those taps on the shoulder, I listen to them today instead of ignore them. Um, I think, though, the one thing I would like to say uh, or would like to reinforce is there are two things. There's love. There really is only one thing. There's love. Uh, and it's just how far one way or another can you push that needle? Um, the uh, Just like a, a gas gauge on a car, the empty needle would be fear. Um, and, but you know what? It would be the exact opposite as a gas needle. The, the empty needle would be the F and the, the full needle would be the E and that's enlightenment. So, um, our joy. Um, so love would be the middle and which way do you want to take love? And, uh, when you go up into the mind, um, you, you, um, are on the fear playground and and it could and your love can be evaporated really quickly with fear-based scenarios and takes you out of your heart but if you stay in the body and feel that love it can grow and grow and fill your body up with joy so um love and fear that are the two things that to me that's my heaven and that's my hell is love is having hell is fear, and which which path, what what power source am I going to plug into that day? Um, and that's what kids. That's why kids get so confused with these adult fear based concepts because they're they're uh, they only they come into this world knowing love and they are taught fear, and um, and then everything else you know, the conditioning comes and they develop all these, they learn all these adult concepts and that's not what it's about. We're, we're here to, to love and that's it. And, and if we can stay out of the mind, uh, we won't create fear. And if we can stay out of the past, we won't create fear. Um, so that's pretty much my philosophy is, is just, Try to do as many loving things as you can during the day and um, stay out of your mind and you'll stay out of your past and your future. And I always heard that the scenario is think about, you know, um, you're standing and um, you got one foot in the past and you got one foot in the future and you're pissing on today. Mm. Um so that's pretty much uh, the last thing I wanted to say. Yeah. And again, you know, we want to write that book about key things to a happy and successful life. Yeah. Uh, cultivate love in your life. And uh, without it, you're going to, you're definitely going to be selling yourself short. Uh, and what that means to you can mean, you know, 
again, this stuff works on a scale too. You know, uh, love to me may not be love to you, right? Some people might hear that and think it's a significant other more so. Uh, some people might think it's more on that service plane and it can be any scale of mix and match in between that. As when you said that about the empty gauge and stuff, I started thinking, I don't know what hit me. Was it like, you know, they say that uh, dark is just the absence of light. You know, and the absence of love is kind of a similar thing. It's either uh, the darkness is sort of like an absence of, of love. Um, there was a couple of words on some questions because I looked around for just the interview questions stuff, too. You know, and I, I think uh, that could have been the answer to a bunch of them. Like, uh, what's the number one thing? You know, if you could go back in time to your 16 year old self, what would you tell yourself? Uh, and love could be in the answer to that. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it could sink through. Uh, what makes you, what motivates you? you know, I think, love. I think uh, I would tell, tell them what Wayne Dyer said, uh, a really famous quote that he said, and that's don't die with your music inside of you. And that yeah. means be your authentic self, let your light shine. Um, no matter what it is, follow your passion and, and you'll be happy. Uh, it's the people that put their passion aside to um, make money and work a job that they don't love. And, and they, they start to die inside and they start to hate themselves and hate everything. And um, that's because you're not doing what you came here to do. So that's what I tell my teenage self is um, don't care so much about what other people think and, and just be authentic. And that's what I've been able to become. Because uh, everything that I do today, I was afraid to do. I definitely would not have done this. I wouldn't have written songs. I wouldn't have uh, recorded in, uh, uh, music. I wouldn't have played in front of 300 people. Um, all those things I was too scared to do because I was too scared to fail. Um, so that would be um, the what I tell my 16-year-old self is um, don't die with your music, music inside right. or your light inside you. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I have a habit of like having a bunch of number ones. And, uh, but I really do think uh, this is the number one benefit of recovery is that you get to get, you get to be your true self. I think above anything else that's in it that we get uh, to me, that's the biggest gift I've received is to be myself because the true myself does love uh, my true, true self is altruistic. Uh, everything that's good about me is, uh, is, is, uh, and probably some things it's bad, but the, the stuff that, that everything I can say that I enjoy today in my life is a result of recovery, which is what actually did, what it actually did was, uh, uh, get me in touch with me and who I really am and to be able to be an authentic, genuine Dan, there's not another one like him, uh, mm and and to the the value of being able to find who that really is uh and to continue to you know i won't stand here and say that i know yet because the longer i've been around here there's a reverse thing that happens that, that i uh 
I didn't understand it when people said it when I was early in recovery, but the longer I've been here, the less I know. You know, I mean, um, it's it's an interesting dynamic in uh, this evolution that happens as we do this thing called recovery and uh, and continually to continue to evolve into hopefully whatever my higher power is aimed for me to be. Uh, I did want to mention, uh, um, and you would know this better than I do, but uh, we got you got some guests coming up. Uh, my friend Frank, I think, is supposed to be doing a podcast. Yep. And uh, my friend uh, Cliff and Jim, I think, may be in line possibly still to do a podcast. So you've got some uh, really big hitters coming up. So pay attention to this this channel and tune back in because there's some good messages coming your way. Yeah. We're, uh, turning a little bit of a corner on how I'm formatted here. And I think again, you know, I think that's what life is, is an evolution to see never, never get stuck in a rut, uh, try to create and be new and see where, uh, life takes you rather than dig a ditch and follow it. Yeah. Well, uh, you said a minute ago about two things. You first, we said love, and then you stopped. And I think you said, just getting ready to say something else. Did you go on about that or not? I mean, I talked about love and fear. Uh, Maybe that's where the two things were. Maybe I thought when you yeah, went to the love. There's two things, love and fear. And, yeah. and I think that's what I, I think that's where my head was going. was like fear is uh, like an absence of love, <laughs> like the same thing with the dark and the light. It was like the story of the uh, the Native American grandfather was sitting around a campfire with his grandson, and he told him this tale. He said, there are two wolves, uh, and they're in constant battle with each other, and one is love, and um, it, it uses – it's fed by um, – compassion and giving and joy and happiness and one is fear which is fail of uh, fueled by anger and dishonesty and um, um, distrust and control and he asked the grandson he said which wolf wins and the grandson said he didn't know and, and he said the grandfather said, whichever one you feed. Right. So it's, it's which wolf are you feeding, a fear-based wolf or a love-based wolf? And that's what you're going to get back. Uh, you get back what you put out. So if you put out love, you're going to get love in the return. That's just the nature of the universe. And if you put out fear, um, if you've ever dated someone and keep attracting the same person over and over and over, change the signal you're putting out. If you want yeah. something different, you can't keep putting bacon in a strawberry cake and expecting to get good tasting strawberry cake. Yeah, put strawberries in there somewhere. Yeah, yep. And that's another universal rule, man, or it seems to be, you know, you do what you put out in the universe comes back to you. Law of attraction. And I think that's the other, and that's the, yep. And uh, the whole thing about manifestation and per, uh, 
which is built on the law of attraction. Well, uh, I thank you for chatting with me again, man. Um, uh, we've talked about quite a few topics tonight, but I will give you one last time to, uh, if there's something else, we can do a concluder and uh, sign off here for tonight. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I did a podcast with Christopher and I said at the end of the podcast, I said, if you have listened to the end of this podcast and you send me a message on Facebook, uh, I'll have a special gift for you. And I'll put that out there again today. All right. Go on. Uh, <clears throat> go on YouTube and, and type into the search engine. Um, baby laughing at mom pulling the pacifier out of her mouth. And watch that video three. Uh, you can't, it's like a Lay's potato chip video. You can't watch this one time. Uh, watch that video. Baby laughing at mom pulling pacifier out of her mouth. And as soon as you get the pacifier part in there, it'll, it'll pop up the link and uh, you'll see a woman and uh, just watch what happens. It is probably the most joyous video I've ever seen in my life. Oh, we'll have to take a look at that. And I can send you a link of it if there's a way for you to link it on this podcast. I can. I think I can there do is. That. Uh, but you can find. But it I can find it. Sorry, put the link yeah. on. It. Yep, yep. Yeah. My Google, my Google foo is strong. <laughs> All right. Well, that's awesome. Uh, that's a different kind of uh, concluder than I've ever had. I like that. Uh, yeah. Then. Also, it's a gift of some uh, laughter, which is another one of those essential things of a successful life. Uh, you think my friend Bill, my friend Bill asked for that one. Asked he for gave it? me that one. Oh, he yeah. gave it to you? I said, uh, he's the one that showed me that video. So I'll give Bill S. the credit for that, for that video if you like it. Cool, cool. Well, I'll close this thing with the same things. Hang out here for a minute, Darren. Don't just drop off. Um, if you're not having a blast in your recovery, it's your own fault. What you put out is what comes back and, uh, it's available to you. And thank you all for allowing Darren and I to participate in our recoveries in this manner tonight. Peace out.